All right, on today's episode of Chalk Talk, we are gonna be talking about lactic acid. Before we do, a friendly reminder that all sorts of content resources are all available on platform.com, as well as a way that you can catch up on previous episodes of this podcast. We do a lot of talking about and connecting of those different podcasts, so be sure if you've missed a few with your routines and schedules maybe thrown off a little bit that you, you go back and listen to those as well, um, but you can certainly enjoy this one just as is. So. Without further ado, we will jump into lactic acid with Coach Brez. This is Chalk Talk presented by Platform. Let's go. All right, as I mentioned on the intro today, we are talking about lactic acid. And where this actually came up from was a few weeks ago, we were doing a different podcast and I asked you a question about it and we realized it was probably worth dedicating an entire episode to because of all of the probably um, myths, misconceptions, and just starting to understand like what actually it is and how it affects our training and things like that. So um, I will set the stage and sort of kind of talk about like the fact that like, where we probably started and then I'll let you go where you want to go with it is that a lot of times myself included as a coach I've found myself saying you know let's flush out the lactic acid or you know you're gonna have a lot of lactic acid build up so you're gonna get sore um, and you've debunked this for me off camera probably a million times and I I'm going to have to have you do it a million and one more because it's something that I have struggled with. So mm-hmm. why don't we jump in from there knowing that, uh, you know, myself included as a coach have used that with my athletes, have said it probably incorrectly at times. So, you know, worth diving into the topic in general. Yeah. Um, I think real quick answer to that is uh, we know for certain that lactic acid, quote unquote, is in no way, shape or form uh, a cause uh, of muscle soreness and no, you're not flushing that out to release or relieve soreness, et cetera. But I think diving into the larger concept of what um, lactic acid is uh, and how it, it, it operates within the human body, particularly with exercise, is probably really the most important thing we as you mentioned we've danced around the topic a little bit in more than one we had the soreness topic we did the energy systems um we've kind of mentioned it as a side note and realized that it was probably time to put uh pen to paper and call um you know our official answer to you know all of the different things that come up with regards to lactic acid because as you said it's something that gets thrown around a lot mm-hmm. um I think people mention it or use it in explanation of a lot of different training topics, mostly incorrectly. Because the unique thing is um, lactic acid is probably the great unknown in terms of human metabolism as it pertains to exercise because, uh, you know, what we know about it is one, first influenced by about 80 years of incorrect conclusion based on research, followed up by very, very recent research that has been in no way, shape, or form kind of perpetuated or uh, extrapolated out to the general public so that they understand it. And there's also a lot to it that I'd argue is so wildly scientific in the sense of textbook biology class that most people are not going to understand it to be able to apply it. So um, it's worth kind of diving into. I think that's my um, caveat of it's been a long time since I sat down with a uh, biology textbook or was forced to take a test on the you know the Krebs cycle and everything else but I'll do my best to try to explain the science as it pertains to exercise um, and what role um, lactic acid quote unquote again uh, plays I think 
the biggest thing to do is dispel right off the bat the myth of it being a negative thing. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, um, beliefs were that it was a negative, uh, that it was a, a waste product, that it decreased performance, that it was the cause of fatigue, it was the reason you felt the burn, and it was the, the cause of muscle soreness. Yeah. Um, but in reality, it's very much n- almost none of those things. So we want sure. to spin it and figure out what, what it really is. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a great place to start. And like, first and foremost, we can just talk about what it is, what is lactic acid. And I know that there are going to be some questions around the fact that like, there's a difference almost between like lactic acid and lactate and all of those different types of things that we'll probably talk about as well. Um, so I'll let you kind of jump in from like the initial definition or where you would like want to go from that like base level. And then we can kind of start to pick apart the, the more specifics. Right. Um, and I think you'll notice uh, right off the bat that I did a lot of air quotes or quote unquote with regards to lactic acid. And that's because I think the first thing we should all, uh, I, you know, I say lactic acid because that's what everybody says. And I get what they're referring to. The point that we want to make right off the bat though is lactic acid does not exist in the human body. It, it physically does not exist. There is a compound called lactate that does. Um, and generally speaking, when people say lactic, lactic acid, they're referring to lactate without realizing it, but it's important because lactic acid is an acid. Lactate is not. Yeah. Um, and the reason that people use lactic acid, um, incorrectly is because they assume that lactic acid is the reason for muscle acidosis, which is a real thing we'll talk about. Lactate is not an acid and as such, not part of the um, rise in acidosis in a muscle that might lead to some of the things that we talk about. So lactate exists. It is a byproduct of respiration in the body or the creation of energy. Um, lactic acid does not. So from here on out, I'm only going to use the word lactate, but I understand that a lot of people will say lactic acid and that's just really a semantic thing. Okay. But it's worth noting that that is not something that actually exists or is created by the human body. Gotcha. It's a compound in nature, but it's not in the human body. Yep. Yep. So then from that, like you mentioned in terms of like it being a bad thing, a good thing, like before we get even to there, like what is it then in, in terms of like what that lactate is for like that understanding of it all. Yeah. Lactate is first and foremost, not a waste product, right? We always thought of as lactic acid is just the, the, the trash that occurs uh, as a part of the reactions going on to create energy during exercise. Very much not the case. Lactate is a molecule, a small molecule that plays a huge role in metabolism all the time in exercise, out of exercise, in muscle cell, in heart cell, in brain cell, et cetera. Um, It's actually a preferred source of fuel for the body. Your heart and brain actually work better on lactate as a pure source than glucose. Um, So it it plays a role much bigger than just purely within um, exercise. We'll dive into the exercise specific components more, but They've shown that it has connections to long-term memory. You know, the, the the lack of lactate in the brain might be a cause or reason or part of the investigation as it pertains to Alzheimer's. Um, it's important for heart health and general response to injury. So your lactate levels spike after injury, and that's basically you preparing to recover, et cetera. So there's a lot of things that lactate does and is good for 
it's an important part of the human body. It is not a waste product. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a very big key component to metabolism, which in its most broadest definition is your ability to create energy through various sources while you're active. Sure. And obviously that's what's most important to us. Yep, for sure. So then in, in that type of sense is like, I guess we're, because you know a lot of times we pick apart topics that are related to strength conditioning or fitness or training like where does that then start to like get mixed into all of this because you know you mentioned alzheimer's and memory and all of those other things where does it like fall into the scope of like what we typically spend most of our time talking about and that's in training or effects on training and things like that sure um and this will harken back to our discussion on the energy systems Uh, To summarize for somebody that may or may not have already listened to it, um, essentially your body requires a molecule called ATP, adenosine triphosphate, to perform activity. Your muscles need that as energy like gas in your car. Your body can create ATP three different ways, the cross-phosphocreatine system, uh, anaerobic glycolysis or aerobic glycolysis, um, and Obviously, when it comes to exercise, how you create energy is all important, right? Because if you don't meet the needs, you can't continue to perform. And whatever process that you're using will have, call it considerations or side effects or whatever, you know, other factors or results that you want to know about. And lactate plays a role in kind of all of those energy systems. So when we're talking about conditioning, when we're talking about high intensity versus low intensity, when we're talking about fatigue, when we're talking about threshold training, lactate is central to all of that. So Mm -hmm. it's important to understand at the super high level um, where lactate exists in metabolism. Uh, And I'll try to do this in as accurate but broad and simple way possible. Um, Long story short, your muscle needs energy, glucose is shuttled into the muscle, right? The the energy that we've stored via food in our blood system, glucose, right? We break it down into sugars and we store those sugars. Um, It gets sent to the muscle during any sort of high intensity exercise. That blood glucose gets into the muscle and then when there is no oxygen present, which is what we're going to speak most about, which is anything from like three minutes or under of relatively high intensity, although I should mention that lactate exists even in oxidative and um, you know with the presence of oxygen, but most specifically we'll talk about anaerobic. So if you're at high intensity, you don't have the presence of oxygen because it's a short duration and it's a high intensity you're going to take that glucose it's going to go through anaerobic glycolysis the result of that is two atps aka hooray we've got energy but because there is um, no oxygen it has other byproducts not waste products but byproducts those are two uh, pyruvates two nadhs Um, the reason you won't have to remember why but the reason i mentioned that is because what Um, your body does in anaerobic glycolysis is it will take those pyruvates and actually break them down into lactate. The result is lactate, but then also an NAD that goes back into anaerobic glycolysis so that it continues to feed the, the breakdown of glucose into energy without oxygen. So pyruvate is a byproduct, but then it gets 
pushed into lactate and then something that it can use to continue the process of breaking down energy. Lactate though is not just a waste that sits there and accumulates. Lactate then gets shuttled into the bloodstream and sent most primarily to slow twitch muscle cells um, and then becomes a source of aerobic energy. So um, if you then take that lactate, you can actually create new glucose to be used for energy or convert it directly into ATP through aerobic metabolism. So essentially, lactate becomes your secondary fuel source. And it can continue to do so for quite a long time and your body actually really likes lactate for fuel. Um, the, the reason that we kind of have gotten to a point where we thought lactate is a bad thing is because at the same time, you are actually building up hydrogen ions in your muscles and creating a level of acidosis, AKA acidity, which is what makes you feel like your muscles are burning and eventually you just hit the wall, fatigue sets in, you can't work anymore. Yeah, so let's actually pick that apart a tiny bit because I think that is the question where you just described like that like lactate starts to kind of like cycle itself. Yep. And that's where I think a lot of people, back to the term that we're kind of not using right now, but lactic acid, assume that that's like what that burn is, right? Like if I'm doing, let's say like, you know, repeated sprints or I'm doing like that three to five minute burn or I use the word burn, like that's what I'm thinking it is, is lactic acid. And that's like the like colloquial term almost of like, that's why I'm feeling that way. And that's what I think that lactic lactate that you just described is like spinning in that cycle would be. But you're saying that it's not so much that, but something else. Right. So what's happening, the, so it's really important to understand that it, it's all connected. Um, and there's a reason that for a long time, even researchers believed that lactate was... Uh, the cause of that burn and then your eventual fatigue because as you exercise at high intensity, right, we know that lactate levels are going to increase, right, because you're going to burn more of those glucose molecules, which are going to cause more of the pyruvates, which is going to be more of lactate. Yep. The more energy you need, the more of it you're going to break down, the more lactate you're going to create. Yep. But that lactate is not a waste and it's not creating the, the level of burn. It's actually being fed into aerobic metabolism, which will clean it out and create more energy and keep you going. Sure. But at the same time, you are creating an excess of hydrogen ions, a proton that it basically just relate, you know, changes the pH level to something acidic, which will eventually shut you down. Um, the reason that we believed that it was lactate is because we just said, right, if during high intensity levels of exercise, if we measured your blood, would you see more or less lactate? More. More. So that's all we knew. They never actually did a cause and effect. To see if there was other they stuff. They just yeah. said, okay, at the highest levels of exercise, we see really high levels of lactate. So it must be the reason that we shut down. Yep. When in reality, they found it's actually the response to high energy activity rather than um, the result of or the, the negative effect of. Mm -hmm. So your body is trying like heck to keep up with the energy demands. And if your aerobic metabolism is good, you can actually continue to refeed those uh, lactate molecules into aerobic metabolism or turn them into glucose, which then brings back into anaerobic glycolysis. So the better you are trained aerobically and anaerobically, the more you can use lactate 
over and over and over again and keep it going. Um, there is basically in the best athletes in the world, like Michael Phelps, he is able to tr take 75% of that lactate and turn it into new energy. Whereas like a poorly trained athlete might only be able to take 25% of it. And that's 75% just is in the bloodstream waiting to be used and it just gets higher and higher and higher yep. and you can't use it. Yeah. Um, Thank you for using Michael Phelps. Yes, you're welcome. Um, so I, I think maybe I'll, I'll turn to you. I, I don't know that I explained that super well. I'm happy to kind of pull it apart, pick it apart or answer questions yep. specifically to, you know, where it exists in the cycle of, you know, energy production. It is kind of a complicated, weird uh, subject. But there is some nuance to it. Yeah. Well. No, and I think the, like, you know, you could probably try to describe the energy systems, or not the energy systems, but all the different things cycling within your bloodstream and everything else until you're blue in the face. And, you know, that's a tough thing to do over a podcast. You probably need a big giant whiteboard and connect all of the different things. Where I would then say is, like, the next probably question that will, will come up is, like, okay, you just described the, like, the, the reason why we should try to separate the two, right? Like you described, all right, Michael Phelps or whoever else can operate at that higher level within their body versus an untrained athlete or someone who might not have that same capability. Is my question would be almost my follow-up, just like a lot of these other things, is to part, does part of it have to do with genetics or is it because that you've trained at a higher level that those things happen? Like, Because I would say Michael Phelps, he is obviously an anomaly in a million different ways. So is this same description of like your body's ability to like kind of cycle those different things the same, or is that because he's trained to that level, he's able to do it? Both. And, and I'll take <laughs> yeah. both. I'll take both. And maybe that's another thing that they're trying to figure out. But. Nothing that I do training wise and turn me into Michael Phelps. Right. Um, that being said, I think it is important. So lactate exists as a fuel, but your body's ability to use it is entirely dependent on how well trained, aka how much you practice it, um, your aerobic metabolism, mm. which is think about it as tempo runs, long, slow distance, sub-maximal uh, intensity exercise. Because if you can't, uh, essentially, so if you do a lot of aerobic conditioning, you're actually going to increase um, the number of mitochondria that exist in every cell, which means that you can actually use more lactate at one time to create more energy. Yep. So he has a higher density of mitochondria in his cells that then can take that lactate, flush it into something that is more usable, AKA the ATP or glucose or whatever it is it's going to create right off the bat um, by use of the rest of your body. So if you train your aerobic system, you can get better at utilizing lactate for energy. And if you train anaerobic respiration, if you, you know, um, condition at higher intensities with higher work to rest, et cetera, you can actually work at bettering your ability to buffer the acidosis levels yep. so you can actually cycle those hydrogen ions into aerobic respiration you can use them for other things there's then this is goes beyond my expertise by any means what i can tell you is that if you practice conditioning at all levels you can improve your ability to buffer those hydrogen ions aka keep your the acidity level of your muscles down for longer periods of time at higher intensities. And if you 
um, condition at the more submaximal or repeated level, uh, you know, repeated effort level, you can cycle lactate more efficiently and for longer periods of time so that the blood lactate levels don't rise to a point where you just can't use them anymore. Gotcha. So that's a good, that's good because you also made mention to the next question because I think it's one that is probably the largest probably myth or thing that people will use is that word flushing. Mm -hmm. So we've already kind of established in terms of like what we're actually talking about and I think it's probably worth with like the baseline information that you've set everybody up with is now talking about like whether or not you can flush out what a lot of people associate it to is that soreness. We did a whole episode on the soreness thing, but like talk through the flushing, what actually is happening and what can you not really do? And I think probably you'll get to the soreness and some of those other things in terms of like the ability to kind of like get back out and keep going. Yeah, the reason that we wanna make sure we define what lactate really is and where it exists is because of this, this is where the wordplay becomes important because flushing lactic acid has been used in the sense of like the next day we're gonna use light activity yeah. to recover. Whereas we do wanna use the terms somewhat like um, cycle lactate, flush lactate, et cetera, while exercise is happening. Yeah. So if you can flush or cycle lactate faster, you're gonna be able to perform longer at higher intensities. That being said, there is a reason that for a long time people said, hey, I wanna go flush out the lactic acid the next day. The reason is because it works. The wording is entirely inaccurate, but the result is clear in that we know that if you come in the next day, you are sore or just you know generally fatigued, uh, feeling a little out of sorts, some light activity, light movement, go out for a light run, uh, a bike ride or whatever, you feel better and it spurs your physical and mental recover, recovery. The reason that that myth has been perpetuated forever is because it works. Mm -hmm. It's not in any way, shape or form though tied to the production of lactate because lactate exists in your muscles for at most an hour after you've worked out. Yeah. It's it's being flushed continually, which your body's is doing it talk. naturally. Yeah. That that you're you are cycling and flushing lactate while you're working out. Yeah. Like that that's what's happening and the better you can do it the longer you can go. Okay, so actually let that's a good point because that's so let me ask you this because this is where it gets really interesting especially in sports like mine swimming or anything else like that where the, the it's often used and by coaches correctly or incorrectly in that okay, if you just got out like of a race, you went high intensity for let's say like two minutes, that was your race time. When you get out, if your body, like you just said, is constantly flushing it, is there a difference between it being able to flush if you're moving versus not moving? Because that's where a lot of times, like I, I, I'm sure anybody that's in the world of like track or swimming will always remember like, hey, go move. So you don't tighten up, you don't stiffen up, and the lactic acid doesn't build up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, so go, like, go get in the warm down pool. Go get in the warm, like, go warm down a little bit on your own because I, like, almost, and and you're gonna have to help me disconnect or connect that. Of your body is trying to work to flush the lactate out, like you just described, or it is naturally doing to use it. it. Yes. Can it can it do that? better or worse if you're moving versus you're not moving. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it, it happens regardless. Yeah. Um, the, anytime you have increased blood flow, all of these processes are gonna happen faster. Gotcha. Um, but I do wanna be clear that it, 
whether or not you believe in the effect of a cool down, which a lot of people would argue, I'm not necessarily one of them, a lot of people argue that it has no actual benefit. It's something we've just told people to do for a long time, and so we continue to do so. Um, we talked just the other day on static stretching, and why I think it's important is any sort of light activity has a sort of parasympathetic nervous system response, mm -hmm. which is going to allow you to recover physically and mentally. So I like the idea of light movement as a bridge between non-movement and extreme movement. Yeah. So go, yeah, go cool down. Um, but even if you don't quote unquote flush the lactate, it's not a negative thing, right? So like you're not missing out if you don't go flush it. Yeah. It's an energy source. It's going to be used. Your body's going to use it somewhere. So like you, you might create it in your legs. Your heart's going to use it. Your brain's going to use it. It's just like glucose. It's as if you're creating a new energy source. Um, so do we have to worry about flushing lactate um, after a race so that we're ready for the next one? No. Is there reason to move after a race before the next one? I think that's more of something where, yeah, I think practical experience would tell you that mentally and physically we're a little bit better off if we've kind of cooled ourselves down and gotten back to neutral before we warm up again. And the reason for that is whether it be between bouts of exercise or between days of training, recovery workouts work, right? The same thing of a cool down is the same thing as a, uh, or cool down, excuse me, is the same thing as a recovery workout in this light movement. And it's entirely meant to not stress the body, but enhance blood flow, which in turn brings increased oxygen, which is good for everything. It helps you recover a growth hormone response, um, the ability to actually get rid of the waste that does exist. Mm -hmm. um, blood brings oxygen to the muscle, oxygen promotes healing, and not to mention any sort of recovery will warm the muscles, which will relieve pain or stiffness that exists, even if it's just your perception of pain or stiffness. Yeah. No, that's good, and I think that's a good separation because I am never gonna, I don't, I, like you said, practical application, I am never gonna be able to disconnect being able to go warm down from being able to feel better just in my own practical experience. Yeah. But I think you're right. Like it's the other things of getting oxygen flowing, getting your blood flowing, letting your muscles like relax in that like parasympathetic, like you described, bringing it down, but it's not so much the, the um, lactate or lactic acid that quote unquote needs to get flushed. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really just about light movement. Um, you know, it, it incurs a training effect. It's a very light one, and it's more about recovery. Yeah. But it's, you know, promote muscle modeling, increases production of growth hormones. You combine oxygen with everything, and then you're going to decrease inflammation and rebuild some of the, you know, impaired or damaged muscles. Um, and you're just going to generally remove discomfort and improve function. Okay, so... I think probably where we'll go is kind of like some of the other questions that might just happen. We did a lot of talking about flushing. We did a lot of talk about um, like the, the recovery aspect of it or how it affects your feeling. This one's a fun one for me because this is like the world in which I live in, especially within swimming. We already referenced Michael Phelps, which was great. Um, the next one, and it's actually funny because you kind of, cued this one up, but it's something that we talk about all the time in the swimming world is the lactate threshold. Which um, I'd like to throw back at you first. And I'd like you, because this is more, this is the hardest part to unpack for me yep. because there is a giant disconnect between the way, um, 
call it sport scientists, my air quotes, um, define thresholds of various types, yep. capacities of various types, like the, the dictionary definition per se, versus the way it's used. Because you could argue that either one is more important. Like what is used by most people is probably the most important, but is it incorrect or correct is a right. different question. So I'd like to, to, when you say lactate threshold or, or whatever, like what, what question do you have and what is the way you've perceived it? Yeah, so it's, it's a, I'm gonna try to describe it in the word that we often will use in just threshold training. Yep. And we often, myself included, will avoid putting any other label on it because of like the kind of convoluted association to different types of things. So like a great example, a set I had done myself as an athlete and now I use because it's a great, in, in a lack of a better word, baseline to see where kids training is at is I do a threshold set in which we do 10 100s, and you can be 100 of anything, it's yards for swimming, with 10 seconds rest. And essentially, we're trying to determine what their kind of like baseline interval will be for training when we're doing more so aerobic type sets. It's a good like connection between the two. Mm -hmm. um, and we look at that at a, as a threshold of understanding of where someone can basically maintain their training. So that's one. And now I'm going to give you the other, which is a classic swim set as well, is the complete opposite where it's, and I've, I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, 10 100s, same thing, same exact distance, but instead now it's on six minutes and you are trying to work at max sprinting speed as best as you can and recover and be able to turn it back around. So one is essentially 10 seconds rest and the other is essentially like five minutes rest that you're getting yep. and both of which you are trying to make sure that you maintain a certain time. One's like a like long slow distance time and one's like a sprint high intensity time. But in the swimming world, both of those are threshold sets. Okay. So that maybe was not an answer because I've I don't really use the word lactate threshold set, but like those are two sets that we're basically determining like how, how consistent can you be? Okay. Well, so that, you know, um, that's not necessarily all that far off in some senses from the quote unquote, you know, dictionary definitions or the exercise science definitions. Uh, and I had to kind of look these up because they get, it does get thrown around yeah. so, so oddly. Um, everybody's got a different idea for what threshold means. Yep. Uh, be, honestly, because I think the word threshold is got a connotation all to itself. And then the moment right. you put something before it, people just kind of assume whatever that might mean to them. Right, because I did, I did one of the sets and a coach that I worked closely with, um, she said to me, like, this isn't, this isn't a aerobic threshold set. How could we use these numbers to then go dictate? And then I kind of circled back and I looked at it. And I'm like, oh, you're kind of right. Like, I've just been blindly using the term because it was a great set. It works and it gets me to my end goal. Now the labeling is the question. I just, the threshold to me, I'm always just like, it's kind of where you're able to operate at that like level before you like almost use that word of like falling off the cliff. Does yep. that make sense? Yeah. So this is, and I'm going to kind of turn to the experts for this, but uh, the aerobic threshold so would you have said your, your 10 by 100 uh, with minimal rest was your aerobic threshold? Training? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So 
It's unique. I, the, this is, the aerobic threshold is a relatively low level intensity marked by light breathing and the feeling that you can maintain the effort for a few hours. Yeah, and so that's the whole goal of that is like, you, we did 10, you could do 15, you could do 20, you could okay. do 30 at that and be able to maintain it. And that becomes like the number we guide kind of the sets around. Okay, so um, th that's fair. Then that, that sounds like you guys are pretty close to it and spot on. In a sports science lab, um, the aerobic threshold is usually defined as the intensity at which lactate just begins to accumulate above resting levels. Yep. So you're barely using anaerobic um, activity at any level such that your aerobic metabolism isn't able to just kind of keep things rolling. Yeah. Um, so that's probably fair. Um, and then you were calling the um, 10 by 100 with six minute rest, rest. as anaerobic threshold. Yep. So this one is where it gets a little unique for me because this is actually defined as the effort level where glycogen becomes the dominant fuel source you are using, um, crossing the threshold between aerobic and anaerobic. And it's the effort is often referred to as redlining, but it's common for well-trained endurance athletes to be able to sustain their anaerobic threshold effort for about an hour. <laughs> so this is the level at which you are, your anaerobic threshold, this is my interpretation of it, trying to connect the two, is what is the highest level of effort you can maintain for a significant period of time. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something where it's like, I'm going all out and then I'm recovering fully. Yeah. That's anaerobic capacity. Right. Right, so how hard can you go repeatedly at top end speed because anaerobic capacity is the measure of how much maximal power speed an athlete can produce in an all-out sprint after sprint effort lasting only a few seconds usually 30. yeah yeah that, that's that's the tough part you know and why i've always enjoyed these types of conversations a lot is because like there it is hard to label it but it's fun to try to because you're just like all right well what are we what are we actually doing? Mm -hmm. I know, and again, it all goes back to that practical application. Like, I know what we're hopefully getting out of it. Right. And, you know, it's a tried and true, you know, these sets that are like, you know, the. it's almost in the same world of like, you know, the five, <laughs> the five by fives and all of the different things yeah. that have just been used without any question. Mm -hmm. It's those same types of swim sets and things like that that have just been, and, and I, we're using swimming a lot, but like you could do this for running, you could do this for- Oh, anything. You know. I mean, conditioning for high school football is this track, anything, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think more important than even trying to utilize terms or concepts like anaerobic thresholds, aerobic capacities, anaerobic capacities, lactate thresholds, is what is the goal of your, your training set? Mm -hmm. uh, is it to measure something like you were talking about like what what is our what is your 60 percent that you could keep up for hours what's my 60 percent yeah like, what is that at that is in any way shape or form aerobic threshold training does it matter if we call it aerobic threshold training or does it matter that we've just said we want to figure out where your 60 percent is right so here's a question then is and i don't know if you know this or not or if we got to go back and digging is like are there different ones back to the original conversation it had at hand these different types of trainings that can almost help you or like help michael phelps like we've talked about get your body better at doing that cycling that we talked about in terms of like the lactate that's being cycled through? Like, is there certain types of training 
that help you get better at that more than others? Or is it, like most things, a combination of both? Uh, it's going to be that, right? So um, they've shown that even if, in theory, repeated sprint ability would be best improved by just doing repeated sprint ability or repeated sprints with the exact rest, work and rest and everything else, because there's so much interplay between aerobic, anaerobic, phospho, and glycolytic, uh, there's so much intermingled kind of this web that you're actually going to be better at um, repeated anaerobic efforts if your aerobic metabolism is increased because of things like lactate that play a role in both. Yep. Because of things like the hydrogen ion buffering ability is influenced by aerobic but is a driver of your anaerobic yeah. ability. So um, I think it was that we've mentioned them before, but the Elon strength and conditioning or Elon performance put out something they said – in our experience, they actually did a full study with their entire football team for an entire year of the different modes of training for repeated sprint ability. And the one that won out dramatically was any balanced inclusion of tempo training, full-on speed training with maximum rest, and repeated sprints. Yeah, Doing all of those ended up in the greatest overall response. For sure. Uh, and that makes sense. I've never, ever believed anything other than if you do everything well, any one specific goal is going to improve the best. Yeah. Because you can't, there is no way in the human body to isolate one mechanism that's going to make you better at sprinting for 10 seconds. Right. You got to... Help Unless that's the you're only ever going to sprint for ten seconds once ever, like, <laughs> yeah. and that doesn't exist. So, to, what makes you better at clearing lactate? Well, how good are your is your anaerobic glycolysis, and how how efficient is that process anyway? How quickly are you creating lactate? Mm -hmm. When you get really good at that, great. But if you don't have an aerobic metabolism that can then use that lactate, lactate just builds up. Don't use it. What's the point? Right. Your, your your anaerobic glycolysis is going to suffer. Yeah. Okay. So I think that is, I mean, this is probably one of my more favorite episodes just on the sense of it's something that's super practical to. I hope so. I don't know if that was completely I, Yeah, and, I, and, and, I, and I was going to say that's where I was going to go is I don't know if we've just meandered all over the place. I don't think we have. I, I have a more clarity on what we're talking about, but we'll see if anybody listening does. Let's try to... Summarize? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's that that point in the episode. Yeah. Let's try to just, like, if nothing else, what does a coach take away from their understanding of probably where we – let's try to go back almost all the way to where we started in yep. terms of just understanding, like, okay, we're not necessarily talking about lactic acid like you talked about. Yeah, I we're, think we're, first step so is that's, stop using that word yeah, because it doesn't exist. To understand more so, we're talking – and I'm going to try to summarize, and then you can jump in and correct me as we go. I think yeah, that would probably be the best way since, I, like I said, million and one, I'm still here. We're more so talking about lactate mm -hmm. and your body's ability to cycle it while working. Yeah. And fair. while training or while doing whatever you're being tasked to do physically. Mm -hmm. uh, there's hydrogen. Hydrogen ions. Ions that are building up that can sometimes lead to what you described in terms of some of that burning yes. that we've often associated to lactic acid. Correct. Which we want to separate those. Yep. You can't necessarily flush out your lactate 
in the idea of like making the burn go away or anything else like that because more so what we're talking about when we're talking about flushing is what we just talked about in terms of cycling and allowing your body to keep you're, going. You're going to use lactate for further energy. That's your body's ability to cycle lactate. Okay. I think the one part that I'm unclear about, and we'll see where we can go from this, is <laughs> that is that what is that stopping point then? We, we kind of touched on it in a few different places, but like a lot of times it's like we've used lactic acid to describe like the point in which you feel like you cannot do that next rep or that red line, or like I can no longer continue doing X, Y, or Z. Is it the buildup of those hydrogen ions yes. that make it impossible, like yes. not impossible, but that feel like where is that stopping point? Because to me, and to I think a lot of people, they probably sometimes thought like, oh, because of that buildup, I have almost like filled the tank of the junk or the mm -hmm. things I need to flush. I can no longer do the next rep or the next rep set or that you know what i mean Does yeah that... your muscles are like batteries in that they will die if they reach a certain acidity level and the accumulation of rogue hydrogen ions that find no other home that can be found if you're really efficient and everything's working at optimal capacity at some point they will shut you down we all know that if you run your 400 meter race or your 800 meter race like at some point you just your your legs are rubber you're on fire yeah. you're done What's important to note is that is really, I really want to separate like across the room from one another is lactate and that acidosis. Why um, they're anywhere near related is that lactate increases at roughly the same time, which is why we thought it was, it was the reason. Yeah. But instead of it being a reason, it's just a marker for fatigue. If you have really high levels of lactate, there's a good chance that you've hit your, your fatigue point, but it is not the cause of that fatigue. Yeah. It actually, if you were able to use it well, could continue to keep you active and fight fatigue, yep. but it exists at the same time. Gotcha. All right. So before we break and we stop, we did this in the D training episode. Is there any articles or like research that you found that is worth kind of just dropping in there if people are more interested in kind of seeing like what it is we've been talking about is there any ones that you got that we can kind of plug in yeah i'll throw in um some of the sources um i'm gonna there are some highly highly technical biological ones i'm gonna trend more towards the more summary yep but from people that are using the primary source material and are you know exercise science doctors etc i think important to note in this conversation, it is super complicated. Um, I, I have to look it up to speak it at any level every time we talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Like I get the the I, I get the main points as really is all that is important for anybody. I know that lactic acid doesn't exist in the body. I know that you can improve your buffering ability of hydrogen ions. You can use lactate for fuel if you're really good aerobically. Those two things are what drive training adaptation and what you do for training. Yep. The rest of it, you know, pyruvates and NADHs and all these other things and the Krebs cycle and electron transport chain and your endoplasmic reticulum. I have to look at that every single time we talk about it. And even then, it's something where I'm not going to internalize it forever, nor should you read it kind of let it uh, digest and figure out what, you know, main sticking points there are. Um, we will add those sources and hopefully that can help. Um, it is probably one of the more, 
the, the topics that lends itself more to question and answer than it yeah. does um, kind of here, 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 here. So if you have questions, reach out. We'll do our best to answer them. Again, take this all with a grain of salt. This is, you know, one company's effort to distill information and, and get it out yep. to people. So for sure, hopefully it helps rather than hinders. Yep, absolutely. And I think it will uh, on the pure basis of, as I've said, and to your point, like question and answer, this is one we could go all the way back to like the first week I started working here like three years ago being like, Hold on, because oh. I was not sold on the fact that you just threw it into a conversation. I was like, I'm not buying that. You got to sell me a little <laughs> bit more on the lactic acid thing. And now I'm here, so well, I'm on board. But obviously, you know, there's that Q and A, and we're more than happy to chat and and appreciate anybody who does reach out. So we'll pause there, Coach Brez. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, anybody that wants to reach out, you know where to find us. That's at pltforum.com. Coach Brez also sends out his weekly performance roundups and things that most of you guys are probably getting. You can always feel free to respond directly to those. Lots of different ways that you can get in touch with us. Um, we're happy to chat as we go along. So remember at Platform, it's always in pursuit better. And that's all I have to say. <laughs>